everybody. Thanks for tuning in for the Making It Our Own podcast, your mother-daughter podcast dedicated to the crafting competition Making It on NBC. I'm Tracy. I'm the daughter, and I'm here with Mimi, who's my mom. How's it going, Mimi? Going fine. All right. So we're excited about breaking down episode four of Making It, and we also have an interview for you guys with Robert Mahar, who unfortunately left us last night in the competition. That was that was really tough seeing him go, um, but we do know you'll enjoy listening to all he has to share about his crafting. Um, I recorded that with him a couple of weeks ago, so I wasn't able to pick his brain about last night's projects, but um, you can find more information about his projects in his newsletter, which um, we talk about in the interview. So um, just a couple of things first, where you can find us. Obviously, you have found us if you're tuning in right now. But if you want to find other ways to connect to the podcast or tell your friends, which we would love, where to find the podcast, um, you can um, find us on Twitter at Making It Our Own. Um, Our website is somanyshows.com. We are part of the greater... Uh, larger So Many Shows podcast that covers a lot of different television series, um, different genres, and so forth. So you can look for the Making It Our Own um, episodes within So Many Shows, or you might find something else you want to listen to as well. Um, so we're out there on iTunes um, and Google Music as So Many Shows. And also we have a Pinterest board under my name, which is Tracy, T-R-A-C-E-Y, Phillips. And Phillips has two L's. And two P's at the end. It's a little different. Um, but we have a board out there for the Making It Our Own podcast episodes. So if you wanted to follow that board, you could um, grab the episodes from there. So lots of different choices. Um, thanks again for listening. We're excited to get into our favorites. There's so much to talk about with episode four. So much festivity because it was a holiday theme. Um, so let's jump right in. We've got costumes in the faster craft, and then we have door and porch decorations in the master craft, the longer craft. So uh, let's jump right in. Mimi, what were your favorites in the costume portion of the show? Well, when I think about Halloween, I think about little kids walking around in their cute little outfits. Um, in the neighborhood, so I favored the costumes that you could safely move around in. Um, as a mom, I thought Joe's sock monster was the best. Um, mm-hmm. Her attention to details always makes her project stand out to me, and uh, other of my favorites were Billy's Beefcake and mm-hmm. Amber's Tease of My Mind, <laughs> even though... Um, Dana said, you know, she had seen the idea before I hadn't, so uh, I thought that was a really cute idea. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was very clever the way she um, added that little little twist to it. Um, yeah, I thought they were all a lot of fun. Probably two of my favorites um, were Robert and Kim. I really liked Robert's pie um, because I thought it was so clever the way he constructed it uh, with the pool noodles. And it was still very elegant. He had pool noodles in there, but he, you know, was covering them with the felt um, and and using the balloons as as the blueberries, and then adding the element with the birds. 
it still came out really pretty and elegant. And the fact that he made it so he could wear it and walk around um, in it was was really cool. And um, yeah, it would have been one thing to make the just a pie, but then I really did think it was just that little bit extra adding the element with the the blackbirds using the feathers, you know, because they had to use items, a few of the items from the box. So I just thought he um, had a really pretty way to use some sort of ordinary <laughs> looking items. Um, and then, of course, uh, Kiem's with the dog was was super clever. Even though it was not his original idea, I thought he made a great recovery. And uh, just it was very realistic looking, the feathers making it. I mean, they really did look like the fur. Um, who would have thought? So um, I, I thought that was was pretty neat. And, and just I, I love dogs. I love pets. I love animals. So a little tribute <laughs> to his dog was was extra fun. Right. I thought the dog was really cute. Um, Yeah. I just couldn't see that it would be something you could wear and enjoy um, because the way he had to station himself. But um, the dog was just precious. Yeah, that's true. And I I did see some other comments um, on uh, social media and so forth about that, that it it was a neat idea, but could you really – how could you really enjoy, you know, being at a Halloween party or going, you know, taking a child trick or treating or something, you know, if you're having to walk backwards? <laughs> um, exactly. But I, he did. I I, I got to give him props for making a recovery from his original idea, which I thought was a good idea too. Um, now the bat would have kind of scared me a little bit because I'm a little afraid yeah. of bats because I'm, I used to go bike riding and they kind of swoop down. And so I'm like, please don't swoop down into my head, you know, as, as it gets darker. So, um, yeah, I've always had a little, a little fear of them. But, uh, so yeah, and then he ended up winning with it. But, um, yeah, some folks did have a question as to his victory, you know, related to the functionality of the costume. But, uh, they, they were all a lot of fun. I, I thought the simplicity of, not that it was a, a simple project to make, but Billy's simple play on words, which is clever. Sometimes when you have a, a little clever twist, um, you don't have to maybe make it as dramatic, you know, because you've got the play on words there. So the, the beefcake um, was kind of cool. And I, you know, I thought it was fun seeing how they all use the materials so differently, Um Right. Amongst their projects, you know, there was a lot of variety, and 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 I was happy about the coffee filters because I had used that in a project myself that I talked about last week, so I got kind of excited about that. <laughs> um, all right, well, the porch decorations—that was the mastercraft. They had you know longer time to work on those, a bigger project. Um, who did you like the most there? Well, I enjoyed all the the porch decorations, but my my favorite, um, I guess just being a lady, part of it was the um, Valentine's Day that Amber did. Uh, She Mm -hmm. had so many interesting parts, and it was just overwhelming to stand and look at all of it, and it all seemed to blend together, and it was something you could walk up and and look down and 
enjoy before the person might come to the door. Mm-hmm. Um, I also uh, really liked Kim's and uh, Billy's. I thought they were both very interesting. And uh, But all that aside, being a romantic, I was drawn to, to <laughs> Amber's play. And uh, I also really liked Robert's. Uh, yeah. The goose was just so beautiful, and mm-hmm. um, he just always relates things to um, books and poems and stories and mm-hmm. uh, things that have been important, you know, in education down through time also, but um, I just love the goose. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was one of my, my favorites as well. Um like just the detail with the goose, the little eyelashes on it, and the way he sort of uh, feathered the the fabric um, on them, and it was just really cohesive and 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 elegant. Like I I said, even with his costume, to make a pie look so pretty and you know beautiful, and, and just sort of have an elegance to it, even though you're walking around with a pie around, you know, it sounds yeah. kind of silly, but you know he made it so beautiful, and and I thought his porch display was very beautiful, and I loved the subtle colors. Um, I think someone said they were kind of pale, but it was just it, that to me was something a little different. They they were they were pretty colors. You know, it wasn't just gray or you know a neutral. They were colors, but they were elegant um, colors, and so it was a nice a nice spin on that for me. And and I kind of thought that was the most. I would like that that's something I would like to see on a porch on my porch um on a neighbor's porch to me that looked like a porch display whereas one of my other favorites um was Billy's cuz I love those biceps I mean that effect with the trapunto they called it um I I didn't know that's what it was called but I loved the effect of it you know and and the the size and the magnitude they just you can't help but See them, you know, and it was kind of simple, okay. you know, but it really, it's like, mm, it just was very striking. But that's not necessarily something I think I would see or maybe even want to see on a porch. I liked it, but I would love to see that like at a party, you know, we're going to, or, you know, we're going to a cookout and, um, you know, maybe as a display, you know, as you come up to the food table, behind the food table or something, you know, but I didn't really think of that as something on a porch, but it was a great display and like Amber's I thought was a beautiful display and I could see that maybe in a, um, the mall you know um, at you know, the Valentine's time of year or something it would be make a really pretty display as, as you walk in um, but I'm not sure I would really envision seeing so much on a, on a porch even though it was very attractive um, now Kim's was a little atypical, but certainly not for Halloween. I mean, you you see, you know, a lot of times structures and people build things, you know, for haunted houses and stuff um, at Halloween. Um, and and I love the effect of the bark with the spray insulation the foam. It just it really looks like bark. Um, I thought that was so so clever. Um, and and just I like the spooky effect. And it had a nice, uh, obviously it had a nice focus, you know, because we saw 
um, Nick, like, joking around, like, it was, you know, pulling him in, you know, so that, yeah. that was fun. But, um, yeah, I, I, I thought Roberts kind of achieved the the objective of what I thought of as the objective of the um, of the of that challenge, you know, to me oh, with porch decorations. And it wasn't ordinary. I mean, that that goose was very artistic and beautiful. And again, I know I keep going back to that elegance, but um, that it all went with a theme, you know, and that right. was the focus. And I think that's probably where Joe's didn't go as well because there wasn't really a focus. Like, do I focus on the balloons, the leprechaun? I love the gold floor, um, but it competed with the balloons and the leprechaun and all the shamrocks. And it's so easy for me to sit back and think, well, how would I have done it differently? You know, because I'm not under that stress and doing, you know, all these crafts um, on television. But Mm -hmm. I would have liked to have seen her capitalize on that beautiful gold floor and, you know, the idea of the um, maybe have a leprechaun hat, like, kind of tipped on coming off of the doorway, just sort of, I don't know, hung on there, but tipped where gold was coming out of it, sort of a display of gold falling out that draws your eye to the floor and the whole focus being about the gold. You, know, you could still maybe yeah. have the rainbow um, or maybe even just a partial rainbow, maybe not even have the rainbow all the way arching all the way over, but somehow just like having more of a focus, um, like the focus of the goose, the focus of walking through that tree. I think Amber's had kind of the focus of the hands. That was really the, the draw there. And then Billy with the, with the wrestling biceps, um, drew you in. So I think that's maybe where hers didn't rank quite as, quite as well, but, um, speaking of that, um, you know, we like to do a little segment about the judges' corner. Do you have anything that you agreed with in particular with the judges or maybe disagreed with uh, specifically with something that the judges had to say last night? Well, uh, I agreed with Amber's choice. Um, uh, as I said, I thought that was, I was just really excited about all the things mm-hmm. that were going on in there. But mm-hmm. I had a sometimes I like to go back and um look at the programs again because there's just so much to take in. Um uh, sometimes True. I'll miss something and I had never really thought about the importance of the cameraman's perspective. But when I watched mm-hmm. again today I noticed that not only did Robert have this beautiful booth and all the other things that were sitting on the porch, but when the cameraman first moves in, you see the little baskets hanging um, from the ribbons on the side above the rails. And I thought they were real pretty, and I had never even noticed them, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the first time. And so, I, you know, I think that the judges thought maybe, you know, he just didn't, have enough there, but I thought he had a, a good balance of things, and mm-hmm. um, I I did not agree with uh, Dana's comment about Joe's uh, project being messy. I felt like she was trying to be uh, make it like a little cartoony or comic type thing because oh, with you know, the costume, yeah, we we know there's no real. Um, 
you know, Bonk monster. Bonk monster. <laughs> So, it feels um, like it sometimes, but yeah, we know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and uh, that's a good point. Maybe she was a little uh, harsh about uh, Amber's pizza. Um, you know, maybe she could have said she'd seen it before, but um, she liked, you know, the the phrase that she had used with it, "piece of my mind" or something. But again, you know. She's the judge and not me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, the fact that something has been seen before is not necessarily a problem. We've talked about that a lot, that, you know, how important is it that something is original or different? I think original or different can can be really exciting and draw you to something, but it doesn't necessarily seem to be a requirement. And um, I remember Simon saying to Robert about his, his porch decorations, you know, that something about um, why is it not um, outrageous or um, audacious, outrageous or audacious or something, you know, like having more to it. And, I, you know, I, to me, it didn't need any more. To me, the appeal of it was the elegance and sort of the, the childlike um, draw that it has, like with the you know, the nursery nine, nursery rhyme and with a, you know, a child. I remember going to an egg hunt looking for the golden egg one time, you know, and it's just fascinating and exciting. And, you know, oh, that's the goose that, that laid the golden egg. This is exciting. You know, it was almost like a some type of nursery rhyme or, or children's book, picturesque kind of thing, but right. very, very beautiful too. And I thought that was, it, to me, it didn't have to have something crazy about it or you know it it was nice just the way it was and I, so I I was like why 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 do you say that I, I didn't really understand and and I don't think something always needs something additional can you know sometimes I want to just celebrate what it is and the idea that they have like I didn't really think it would have improved Robert to have like blueberry you know, dripping down his face like he was in the pie-eating contest because he had said he was the pie. He was wearing the pie. He was the prize-winning pie. The ribbon, you know, showed that that was the prize-winning pie. Um, I think we had talked before, and you mentioned maybe if he had, like, a blue shirt or something that – how did you describe that? Uh, that just just maybe something that – uh, instead of having his clothes that we were used to seeing him in, his yeah. and so forth, if he had had, um, you know, some kind of solid shirt or something on that maybe would have drawn your eye down more to the pie. Mm-hmm. Than or not detract from it. Okay. To the individual himself, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, did, I did agree, like I said, with the comments about um, Joe's, that it was just, a little maybe busy or, you know, it, it's like she didn't quite know where she wanted to go with it. And she shared that with everyone very openly that she kind of felt a little bit of creator's block. And um, it was hard to just be, you know, have these brilliant ideas time after time after time. I, I can't imagine, and, you know, he said that she looked tired and it, it just must be exhausting to try to be creative all the time. Sometimes it can energize you, the creativity, but then after a while, I'm sure – when you feel like it's on demand like that, that it can be um, very tiring. So, um, 
Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to hear the the criticisms, but uh, I I just I do stand behind things not always having to be super original. I think it can be an added bonus or you know maybe be a tipping point between things like oh you use such clever materials or I've, I've never seen that before that's so unique. But then again, I could see something that's not as original but that's just so beautiful and the craftsmanship is just so spot on that that could be, you know, the winning entry. So, we also got a little feedback from Sharon and I like saying Sharon because she was sharing how she felt about the episode. And I got to throw a pun in there too. So she says, uh, going on my grandmother's directive that if you can't say something nice, don't say anything. So I'll just say that I was completely floored by Robert's departure. When I saw the no spoilers message he posted on Twitter, I was wondering if maybe he won. But then I honestly thought they were talking about Joe when they said something about this maker just seemed to lose heart in the Mastercraft project or however they worded it. I will miss him so much. Loved his work. It was clean, straightforward, the attention to detail, and his quiet and calm demeanor. Sigh. She says, on a much happier note, though, I'm so excited about the renewal. Maybe they'll consider a different time slot as it would be such a great show for families to watch together. Uh, good good points there, Sharon. I, I would like it to be a little earlier. It is so family-friendly that it would be nice for the kids um, to be able to stay up and watch, and probably even for some of the adults. Um, you know, I get tired, too, so... We'll see what happens. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, talking about Robert, it, it really was tough. It, it's just tough to see anybody go. That, that's that's obvious. Um, but, I, 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 like I said, his projects were some of my favorites last night. It's all in the eye of the beholder, I guess. But um, I, I was surprised. Would you say you're surprised, Mom? I, I was. Uh, because mm-hmm. um, he just, um, you know, he's won a couple patches before, and mm-hmm. he always comes up with, I thought the pie idea was very original. And mm-hmm. uh, I just, um, as you say, we're all going to really miss him. Yeah, yeah. Great job he did on the show. I, w- I wanted to see more of his work, but thankfully he. Still crafting and still designing stuff so we can see it, just not not on the show. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about um, some memories because the show always brings up memories. Let's talk a little bit about ho- holiday decorating. Have you had any holiday decorating fails or successes that you wanted to share? Well, I, for some reason, I don't know if it was time or money or what, I just never got into a lot of um, uh, porch decorating except for uh, Christmas time. And then mm-hmm. I just always enjoyed the traditional wreaths and greenery and lights and uh, that type of thing. So I didn't have much chance to fail if I wasn't doing anything. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I can't really think of any failures. Some folks might have thought, well, gee, you know, that's same old thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, 
I, I, uh, I have had some successes also. Okay. What, what kind of successes do you want to talk about? Well, um, when we first moved to the house that I'm in now, I remember I didn't have much living room furniture, so I decided in addition to our family tree that was always in the den, I wanted a full-size tree um, in the living room. I had a few pieces of Victorian furniture, so I made 25 or so small fans um, with folded lace that had been stiffened, and then I decorated the bottom with um, ribbon and pink flowers because that went with the colors that I had in that room. Um, Mm -hmm. I used white lights and gold tinsel, and um, it was simple and light, but it seemed to all go together. And uh, I wrapped some empty boxes in Victorian-style paper and uh, used satin ribbons like they might have used in that time. And um, I set out some of my old dolls under the tree and some books and some jewelry and antique boxes um, that looked like gifts that maybe had already been opened. So there were some mm-hmm. yep. open gifts and some unopened. And um, it just made me real happy, and I thought it went well with the things that were in the room, and it added to the things that were in the room. Sure. And and didn't you add some, like, pink-colored balls to it or add some, some other ornaments over time? Didn't it sort of grow Yes, like um, every good daughter, I told my mom I needed some help, (laughs) and uh, she liked to crochet, so I found some beautiful um, pearl-colored balls. They they look just like pearls, Um, and uh, I gave them to her, and she crocheted these little um, jacket-type covers for the balls. She had a a pet. For that type of thing, and she used um, a beautiful moth-colored thread that had little smaller pearls intertwined in the stitching, and they they were just mm. fabulous. I, a lot of people mentioned they had just never seen anything like that yeah. before. It really it works well with my little fans, and um, I still uh, have those balls, and I use them on a smaller tree in the um, living room now to um, more or less uh, show my memory of her and thankfulness yeah. for all the things she did for me. Yeah, it does make for a lot of memories on the tree. And it, it was, I love that tree. It's always been one of my favorites since you started doing it. Just the colors and the elegance of it. It just seems so fancy. And, and granted, that room is pretty fancy with the furniture, um, I mean, i got to be honest, folks, we weren't always allowed to really use that room a lot. You couldn't go in there if you were sweaty and so forth. You know, we would sit in there and have some conversation, but you had to take care of the furniture that was in there, of course, and it was some really nice, or it is some really nice antiques. But um, it was always fun to just go up in there and uh, sit and enjoy that tree because you just felt like you were in this really – fancy room maybe that could have been in a castle at some point or something just with the <laughs> antique furniture and the, the Victorian tree. It was uh it, it's special to me too. So you did a really, really good job there. Um as far as my uh 
fails or successes with, with holiday decorating. Uh, I, I tried one time. It should have seemed like it should have been very simple, um, but I, I didn't quite get it right. And it may have been my sort of impulsivity trying to do something um, too quickly, but I thought about wrapping some ribbon just around our lamppost, which is white. And if I added some red ribbon, I think maybe I had some gold trim or something too. If you'd make it like a candy cane. And apparently I didn't have quite enough ribbon on hand um, or didn't know how to um, adhere it so that it would, would stay on there evenly separated um, between the stripes. But I just couldn't quite get it to work the way I wanted to. I probably needed to maybe uh, measure a little bit or something like that. So it, it seemed like a good idea, but it didn't quite pan out. Um, but one um, that I craft, holiday craft that I did particularly enjoy and, and, and felt good about was a felted tree that I made. Um, I used a styrofoam tree. It was about eight inches tall, maybe three inches at the base, like kind of a, a thin Christmas tree. And I felted it with the, the green wool roving um, all around the tree. So it had nice, you know, kind of fluffy texture, um, but yet simple. But then to give it to pizzazz, I took um, little push pins with the, the pearlized ones with a little pearl on the end um, and put them through sequins and to make decorations like the ornaments on the tree. So it was simple, but um, it had the pop of the, the, um, the different colored sequins. And then I made some type of star, I think, on the top. And then I placed it in a bowl, like a serving, a glass, a pretty glass serving dish, but it was like on a stand, so it was raised. And then I put some faux snow in it and sat the tree down in there and put some little miniature packages around that, you, that maybe they sold like as ornaments or just decorations. You could put them on a wreath, but I just used them as the little packages around the tree. So it wasn't it wasn't like super complicated, but it had just enough sparkle and made for a nice centerpiece on the table there. Um, and the fact that the, the the serving dish was kind of raised, you know, made it nice because it didn't it didn't really take up space. But um, I kind of had that vision for it, and it kind of worked out. And so that's always exciting when you kind of have a vision, and it it does come out the way you plan. Now, if you have a vision and it comes out differently, but you still like it, that's good. It's just when you have the vision and it doesn't work out at all that um, can be can be frustrating. So obviously we had costumes in this episode as well. Do you have any? Um, Good or or bad uh, costume making memories? Well, I think one time uh, we decided one of you would be a mummy, and uh-huh. uh, that. Oh, was, I think that was my sister. I think it's Becky. Yeah. It was, Lucky her. It was really, it was really <laughs> hard to do. You know, I thought all yeah. I have to do is put strips of sheet, uh, sheets and wrap them around. You know. But uh-huh. um, it had to have on clothes, you know, that you could um, pin things through to keep the uh, strips from unraveling right. and everything. And I, I think she made it through the um, Halloween candy collection, but um, <laughs> there may have been a few little strips hanging here and there when she finished. But um, yeah. actually, I must have practiced on her all the time. I don't know. But <laughs> I remember one time uh, I used a box with a hole in the top for the head and 
hole in the sides of the arms to, to turn Becky into a TV. Um, mm-hmm. I decorated the box with a screen and had all the necessary knobs and so forth. And uh, I, I think she wore a little beanie with sticks uh, wrapped in aluminum foil as an antenna. And um, I realized now that if people saw a picture of that, they would say, boy, that was long time ago because that's nothing like what TVs look like today. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it worked at that point in time. And yeah. Um, I, I uh, also remember doing a headless person uh, for one of you. And for that, I just took a, a circle of uh, kind of thick cardboard and attached straps to it that you could tie underneath your chin. And mm-hmm. then I laid a, I don't know if it was a tablecloth. It had color to it. It wasn't just a sheet or something over that and uh, made little places. The, the fabric was um, the type that you could actually see through uh, if it was okay. held close to your face. So you could okay. see through it. And with the, the fabric being flowy, um, it didn't have any, you know, definite arms or anything, but you could take the head and stick under your arm and walk around and enjoy it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I, I think one time um, your dad even wore it once when uh, you guys went to see Grandma yeah. Randy. Uh, he had glasses, and I don't think he was close enough to the fabric, so I think you all yeah. ended up kind of leaving him up yeah. past where he had to go. So you had to sort of have the the right eyesight, I guess, to enjoy yeah, that one. Sure. But <laughs> That's those, true. Those yeah, he needed need a little extra help. Yeah, right. it's funny that the TV with, with the box, like now if you made a TV, you wouldn't use the whole box. You'd probably just use one piece because they're flat screens, you know, and it's it's just right. funny how things can, can change um, and, and what you would use to, to make it look like a TV. Right. Um, I've had some, some fun memories with costumes because I, I have that little extra challenge now Um with Casey uh, using a wheelchair, is how do you incorporate the wheelchair um, into the costume? You don't necessarily have to, but um, it, it's fun. And the the wheelchair is an extension of her, you know, and her mobility. So it's you want to include. I want to include it, you know, if I can. So um, as she gets older, most of her costumes are cosplays for conventions, um, and so. We um, have done a couple of Walking Dead-themed costumes with her, and one character in The Walking Dead is a tiger named Shiva, so she was going to go with the tiger one year. And the way I incorporated the wheelchair there is I, um, if, if you don't know wheelchairs very well, if, you, if they're ones that you push yourself, then there's a rim on the outside of the wheel because you don't actually put your hand on the tire. You know, there's a rim um, outside of it that you, you turn. And then there's a plastic cover over the wheel so that you don't get your fingers caught in the spokes of the wheel. So that would be dangerous. So I took some poster board and some orange, white, and black duct tape. Or I may have just used the white space on the poster board and used orange and black. But I made a tiger pattern. I tore strips of the duct tape and just, you know, put them on the poster board and cut it in a circle to fit the wheel cover, and then I think I just adhered it with some pipe cleaners 
um, to the wheel cover. So instead of the clear wheel cover, you, you know, where you could see through and see the spokes of the wheel, you just saw a tiger pattern. So it just kind of made her wheelchair, you know, have the tiger theme. And then um, for the rest of it, I got like a little Winnie the Pooh Tigger onesie from Goodwill and just sort of deconstructed it and took some of the fabric and made a tail and attached that to the chair, uh, to the back of the chair, so the tiger tail. And then I made little ears for her um, to do little pony pigtails um, with some of the fabric and then more like a tiger-themed shirt. I think I even took fabric markers. I think it was like a maybe more of a zebra shirt that I got at the Goodwill and then added the orange fabric paint. Um, to try to make it look more like a tiger. So um, it was kind of a piecemeal project, but it, it, it came out well and, and, you know, definitely had the, the tiger theme. And um, she got to take some fun pictures with people there. But um, we also did one where her character was um, riding a motorcycle. So we made handlebars for her wheelchair that connected to her wheelchair with, I think they were like pipe clamps is what I ended up using, and then some vacuum hose to to hold it um, on the sides to the chair. That looked kind of like pipes or something um, on a motorcycle. But I used PVC pipe for the main construction of the handlebars, and I had been watching um, a YouTube channel called Specific Love, and I would highly recommend this channel. Some great ideas. He does... Um, tons of videos with PVC hacks, um, different things you can make with PVC pipe, all kinds of things. I mean, just so much variety. But th- by watching those, I learned about different connectors and things that I could use where the handlebars would turn, you know, towards her and how to connect the different pieces. So I ended up learning a lot about uh, PVC pipe for making that costume, but also got inspired to think of other ways um other things I could make with PVC pipe. And he has a lot of other do-it-yourself projects um, on the YouTube channel. But definitely shout out to specificlove.com. Um, check that out for some, some fun projects, especially with PVC pipe. But, uh, yeah, I also did the did the Goodwill clothing with the motorcycle, too, because I found a, uh, I guess it was faux leather. I think they call it, like, pleather. <laughs> Um, jacket and cut off the sleeves and just sort of whip stitched um, to to trim to make like a sleeve to make a vest like a motorcycle vest for her and um, and some other items that were sort of went with the theme but um, it came out it came out really well so I I, I think no matter how old she gets or how old I get we'll keep making costumes. Um, just for fun, and we'll use the conventions as an excuse to to dress up in costumes because I, I think it's a lot of fun. So that, that that's my spin on costumes and my little um, somewhat unique um, situation there that uh, gives a little little different challenge, which 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 uh, makes it fun to try to think outside the box. So I think it's really special that that you and the the person in this um, particular site are uh, thinking about other people and making uh, holidays a real celebration for everyone, um, no matter what the situation might be. That's right. That's right. Well, in our um, toolbox segment this week, I thought we could talk a little bit 
about how crafting can either become really expensive or are there ways where you can make it more economical? Um, so did you have any – which way does it go with you? Have you ever had a problem with it becoming expensive or do you have some ideas how to make that make that hobby more economical? Well, I, I tended to do more of like cross-stitch or – uh, working on old furniture or something, and um, the cross stitch can get involved. But um, if you keep buying patterns, or you start a new craft, and you've got to have patterns and gadgets and so forth as a base, and then you decide you want to go even further with that, you continue to buy uh, gadgets and supplies and um, since you're spending usually just a little bit at a time, um, you don't really think about how much you've actually spent until um, you go back and look back on that. And uh, so it is easy to, to spend a lot of money and uh, not yeah. realize it. Sure. What about making it more economical? What, what tips do you have there? Well, I found, uh, like with the cross stitch, um, oftentimes they call, they'd have 50 shades of any one color, and mm-hmm. each time you did a design, they wanted a different shade. And so uh, some of my friends and I would share uh, threads that we had left over that we thought mm, we were confusing okay. again, and yeah. that part helped. And, um, if you want to, you can um, share your supplies and tools even that you're no longer using. Um, mm-hmm. Often at yard sales, you can find supplies that a crafter used, but now he's moved on to another craft and yeah. will have, you know, leftover supplies. And so if it's something you're doing, um, then you might want to purchase that, or if it's something you'd like to try, it might be an inexpensive way to try a craft before you get uh, too involved yourself. And I know down through history, people have enjoyed um, what we often refer to as scrap crafts. And okay. uh, you can find all kinds of information in the library or online about uh, things you can make, everything from rugs to wreaths to to jewelry, to home decorations, even um, furniture. Um, A lot of people have made furniture from um, um, dried wood and all. I think you'd have to know a lot about the woods and which ones would hold up and so forth. And um, really, they're they're people that um, collect some of these uh, scrap crafts today. Mm -hmm. Okay. you can see, like, down through the ages, you know, they've appreciated what people did in their spare time. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Well, one of my, my problems with spending sometimes, or the, the trap I fall into, is I get lured into clearance sections. Sometimes I buy too many items on clearance that I don't really need because, it, you know, it seems like a good price or I can stock up on a bunch of something. Maybe it's, like, maybe it's for a craft I haven't even tried, but I was like, well, if I ever want to get into fabric painting, I could use all these fabric markers, you know, and there's so many here for so cheap. Um, and I, I may or may not, you know, get into that particular craft. So I have to watch myself there. Um, 
and also just getting really excited about trying out a new technique. I mean, face it, crafts are exciting and it's fun to make things. So it's it's hard not to to try to buy. You know, if I'm into a crochet stage or a knitting stage, just like to try to buy, oh, this yarn would be good for this, or this would be good for that, or oh, that's really pretty, and maybe buy more than I can really use at at one time. Um, I have to be to be careful of that as well. But as as far as you know, economical, it, just trying to kind of have a little patience and say, well, let me see if I am really going to enjoy this craft um, or not before I, I buy too much. And, and actually, another trap I fall into sometimes as a mom and, um, you know, mom to a child with special needs, we, maybe we all have different demands. It could, it could be anything. But sometimes time is – we don't have a lot of time. You know, sometimes that is the problem. And sometimes I would fall into a trap where I would use the little time I had to – get excited about buying more products or more materials because I really didn't have that much time to actually do the craft. So I would like, I, you know, buy stuff and be excited about the idea of doing it instead. So so that's something I had to learn over the years too, is to try to carve out the time to do the craft and not just find bits of pieces of time to, to spend money on it. Um, but, you know, I've just learned a lot from you about, you know, the idea of using what you have on hand, and they've shown that in the show, you know, several times as well, either having to use specific items or finding an item that could be upcycled or or reused in a different way. So, um, yeah, I kind of did that with the using the old vacuum hose. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned that, that it was a vacuum that wasn't working or that we weren't using anymore. I didn't just cut up our... <laughs> <laughs> or functional vacuum. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, you know, having kind of a deadline, having to look around and be like, I need something to attach this with that, that will kind of go with a the theme. And that, you know, that I saw that and that worked. Um, but just, you know, making stuff for teachers and friends, um, just just setting some limits and saying I have to use what I have here. And I, I found, like, that um, a lot of times if I give – a gift card to a teacher, you know, the bus driver or a therapist, you know, maybe I'll add a little bit of candy, but a really fun, cheap, easy way to do it is to put a little bag topper on the plastic baggie um, just with some scrapbooking paper, some pretty paper that might go with the theme or the, the particular time of year, and you just really cut it, you know, in a strip and fold it over the top of the bag and staple it. And it just is a really pretty presentation that just, to me, you've always taught me a lot about presentation. And sometimes just a little bit of presentation can go a long way in saying, hey, I really care about you. Or, I, you know, I took the time to make this, tried to make this pretty, you know, um, to let you know how much I care. Um, so that, I mean, that's a, a really easy and expensive way to sort of jazz up, you know, a gift card or a little bag of treats or something. So there are ways I just have to, like I've said many times, it's my impulsivity and I just have to slow down sometimes and think it through and you know, make a plan and, and try to remember to to see, do I have something here that I can use first? So, yeah, Like yourself, I, I, 
I try now to to, to use what I have, but um, mm-hmm. I may be the only person in my neighborhood that has uh, three rolls of red satin ribbon that are as big around as the dinner plate uh, that I purchased for $5 a roll, knowing that, yeah. that it was just going to be right there when I needed it for something special. I, I think it's been there about five or six years now. <laughs> but it was such a good deal. You know, it was too. Like that is kind of a staple. You know, ribbon. It's like you think I'm I'm bound to use that for something, but then you can you can go a long time without having a need for it. So that's funny. So at least it's it's not just me. So, but so we'd love to hear from you guys how you uh, either maybe are there ways that you end up spending too much money on crafts? You think, or some ways that you save money? That's what we especially want to hear are ways that we can save money and still enjoy our crafting hobby. Uh, But mostly we want you to hang on and listen to our interview with Robert Mahar. Um, Like I said, he just has so much great information to share. It was was fun to talk to him about his techniques and um, some of his own memories um, that he uses and draws from in crafting and um, definitely listening to how to subscribe to his newsletter so you can continue to keep um, up with with all that he has going on and he does have tutorials and classes so um, I think there's going to continue to be a lot of fun ways that we can follow his journey and I just feel like he's going to have a ton of success. I I know he has a ton of um, fans out there um, that have really enjoyed him being on the show. So enjoy the interview with Robert and we'll be back next week. Can you believe it? It's going to be episode five. Already five of six episodes. We're coming to the end. We're gonna, eventually we're going to have a grand master crafter winner. Um, but uh, I kind of want it to last even longer. But we'll be back next week to talk episode five. So have fun with your craft and um, let us know what you're working on. Bye, everyone. Bye now. Thanks, everyone. It's time for a very special chat with one of the contestants of Making It. We have the awesome opportunity to speak with Robert. He's on the line with us. Welcome, Robert. Thanks for talking with me. Hi, Tracy. It's so nice to talk to you. Thanks for having me. I've been really excited about this. I feel like we um, probably grew up probably in the same generation, have a lot of the same <laughs> memories. A lot of the a lot of the references you've made on the show I can totally relate to. So I, I think that's that's pretty cool. Um so so my first question for you, speaking of, of memories, you know, several of the projects that you've had so far have specifically tasked you with thinking about memories. But just in general, mm-hmm. aside from the competition how much do your memories inform your work? Is it is it even possible to put them aside, or do you want to keep them in? How does it impact your designs in general? That is a great. It's a great question, and honestly, I think that most of my work has um, some element of nostalgia in it, and okay. I think that's due in large part to the fact that when I'm looking to tackle a new project. I often start with vintage um, crafting books. I've got a nice little library of them in my studio where I'll go down to the library 
and go through old sort of, you know, children's rainy day activity books or crafts and hobby books for adults. And, mm-hmm. um, and when I find a project that I really kind of feel simpatico with or I get excited about, I'll mm-hmm. then charge myself with the task of trying to figure out how to kind of reinvent it in a way that's uniquely my own and maybe that's by using oh. modern materials and construction methods or some way just to put a little twist on it. But, yeah, okay. I mean, uh, I, I think for all of us, you know, um, childhood memories in particular are so ingrained into our psyche. And for mm-hmm. me, I think that often comes out in the, in the projects that I create. Okay, fantastic. Now, uh, my mom and I were talking on the podcast this past week about memories we had of making things, and we realized that she made clothesline tents. And but at my age, we don't oh. think about that as much because we. She said, like I said, we had clothes dryers, and then I used to make sure. little foods to play with out of like rocks and wrap them in paper bags to play drive-through. <laughs> and now there's just these little pre-made, very realistic-looking foods for kids to to play with. Do those memories evoke anything similar uh, for you? And what thoughts or suggestions might you have for kids these days who don't have those same types of experiences? with having so much available to them, you know, at their fingertips already. Um, Does that make any sort of sense, what I'm looking for? I get exactly what you're saying. (laughs) I think when we were kids, you know, we didn't have – we were pre-internet. We didn't Mm -hmm. have – you know, um, the first video games kind of came out when I was probably in junior high. Um, So elementary school age, you really were tasked with – kind of entertaining yourself. And um, I have real distinct memories. There was a, a creek in our neighborhood, and we would go down there, and there were these ridiculous little, like, water bugs that would skip around on the surface of the water. Mm-hmm. But we would take wash tubs, and we would create little diorama environments, fill them with water, and then capture those bugs. And mm-hmm. stick them mm-hmm. in our tubs. And it just was, it was a way of kind of, like, playing with the resources that were available to us and using our imaginations. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I think there is a lot to be said for that. And I think, you know, you see a lot of trends now, especially in parenting forums and discussions about limiting screen time and, and making sort of real basic materials accessible to kids just to allow them to kind of exercise you know, that creative muscle um, and mm-hmm. figure out maybe where they want to go with, um, you know, their imaginative play. Yeah. Because, that's yeah, I was wondering, do you, do you feel like you almost have to set some limits on kids today in order for them to access that part of their brain or, you know, or are there ways to challenge them, you know, in, with including all the technology and stuff that they have access to? It's, it's a It's a tough one. It is a tough one because I think, you know, uh, as with all resources, there are are pros and cons. And I Mm -hmm. think especially with um, media that kids have access to today, like YouTube in particular is such a wealth of information. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've had a great time creating content over the last uh, probably seven years, um, tutorials for short format crafting projects. And I think as a parent, if you can find a creator or a number of creators on YouTube that you're comfortable with the content that they create and are willing just to sort of let your kids go and, mm-hmm. and kind of delve deep into those projects. It's really fun mm-hmm. because 
one of the advantages of that is like if you're a kid and you're tackling a project and you're you're attempting something new, YouTube gives you the ability to like put it on pause and rewind it and watch that step over and over again until you kind of right. feel like you mastered it, which is really mm-hmm. empowering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I have found myself doing, actually. So I can, yeah. I can oh, totally relate too. to that, that pause. <laughs> yeah. How exactly did they do that stitch? Um, okay. Exactly. Well, speaking of technology and stuff, you, we've seen you on, on social media, very gracious and friendly with, with fans of the show. Um, what do you, what have you found out there? What do you think of the response to the show? What are you hearing and has anything surprised you? I think people's responses have been, um, a combination of hilarious and encouraging. There's, there's been a lot of love for sure. People yeah. definitely have their opinions and have no issue in, in putting them forth. I have to say in general, like the fans of the show have been incredibly kind and I think everybody has their own take on, um, you know, the various projects and how they were presented and judged and they're excited to share them with you. So, it's um it's been fun to take that all in and and spend some time um responding um mm-hmm. and you know i think uh with the projects that are shown on the episodes one of the challenges i i really feel for the editors cuz they they took so many hours of footage and basically have to sort of um funnel it down into about 45 minutes of screen time and so mm-hmm. there's understandably aspects to everybody's projects that just aren't shown. And so I'm having a fun time sort of discussing those with with people that are visiting me on social media. And I'm actually, Mm -hmm. uh, I do a monthly newsletter, but I've gotten to the point for the show that I'm doing it every week now so we can kind of delve in deep to talk about, you know, just details that you didn't get to see on on TV. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, speaking of, of talking about the, the projects, and I know in, in your most recent newsletter you talked about some of your projects, and I really enjoyed that. And I love the sketches. And I would love to see, like, a coffee table book with all the sketches after the show's over of, of all the projects and maybe, like, different shots of the campus and the barn. Yeah. I just think it would be a fun memory. But those <laughs> sketches, who who drew the sketches? You know, I don't know. I'm assuming that okay. the show hired an illustrator because okay. we all had separate sketches that we came to the table right. with. But mm-hmm. I think, obviously, for presentation, they wanted some sort of consistency, and I mm-hmm. love them. I w- I've been so excited every week to see how the project will be interpreted in in the yes. little drawing. Um, so yes. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. They are they are fantastic. Now, who owns the project after? the show did you guys get to take the um, home does the network own them <laughs> it all it all goes to the network yeah it was all okay. Okay. created specifically for the show um sure. yeah so that all remained in their hands okay okay so maybe they could make a little making it museum one day and we could all <laughs> wouldn't that be fun i that love would that be fun. i would love that little <laughs> field trip so now um talking about your youtube videos and and your tutorials you're very um, adept at teaching. You have a really nice style. I mean, just when you've explained your work on the show or talking to the judges, it's very much with a sort of a, a teaching aspect to it. And Thank you. Is that, yeah. You're welcome. And, and is that something that runs in your family? Is that new to Robert? Uh, how um, that come about? You know, it's interesting because I actually I started on YouTube as a producer. I worked for 
a digital entertainment company out here in Southern California that was creating content specifically for YouTube, but obviously okay. I had a really crafty background. Um, nice. And I started out working with different crafters that would come on set and I'd help, to help them develop their projects so they could present them clearly. And then it got to the point where um, I started designing more of the projects. And finally, uh, there was a point at which my boss came to me and presented the idea of becoming sort of a, a hybrid between producer and talent where because I was already so involved in the development of the projects, if I wouldn't consider perhaps presenting them on camera, which at the time I just, uh, I was like, uh, you know, it was, it was a new idea to me and I think it made mm-hmm. me a little nervous. And okay. you know, going back and looking at my first handful of videos, they're a little awkward, but I think I quickly realized that in order f- to set the viewers up for success, I had to be really um, succinct and specific in the directions that I presented them. Um, okay. And so I think, you know, after doing, you know, close to 150 of those short format videos now, I kind of have it down. And I also teach a lot of in-person workshops as well. So I, mm-hmm. I get um, I get a lot of opportunity to kind of practice those presentation skills. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, you, you do it really well. I'm very, very Oh, thank you. I, so and I'm, I'm, I was looking at your list of, of workshops, and I was like, please come up over to the East Coast sometime. So do, do you think you'll ever <laughs> travel out very far with your workshops? I would, I would love to, and it's funny because I've gotten some inquiries, especially since the show okay. has started. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think that would be fun. I know there are great creative venues all over um, the mm-hmm. U.S., and I think it would be fun to kind of, you know, take the show on the road, as it were. <laughs> oh, it would be great. It would be awesome. So uh, reaching back to your childhood a little bit, which uh, fort or play structure, and we'll not include yours, because we'll, okay. presumably that's something that you can relate to and enjoy, but if you chose from the other six this week, which one would young Robert most likely uh, enjoy the most? Oh, you know, honestly, and um, I really loved Billy's, and I thought that this, the judges made the right call when they awarded mm-hmm. him that patch. Um, uh-huh. That taco truck was so stinking cool. And, yeah. you know, when I was a kid, we had all of those play school sets. It was a specific brand of toys, and there was – you know, they had a, a bus and a garage and a plane and a... And oh, I remember those. <laughs> with it. Yeah, yeah, right? They were so much uh-huh. fun. And I can yeah. just imagine there being, like, a play school taco truck with those little figurines yeah. where they went in mm-hmm. to, like, you know, create your meal and pass them out through the window. So, yeah, I think uh, I think six-year-old me would have been really down with playing with the taco truck. <laughs> nice. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Now... Um, you mentioned you thought the judges made the right choice there. They've got a really tough job, and and I know it's hard for a lot of yeah, the viewers do. to hear some of the criticism. And and we've, we're all asking ourselves, how do you judge? You know, how do you? What are your criteria? And so, for instance, you know, I thought about you know the, several of your projects with the balsa wood. You know, and what if mm-hmm. what if Robert wanted to use balsa wood for all of his projects? I thought would that would that be a bad thing? So I'm curious. Did you go into the show with any sort of general criteria? I mean, I know you get the specific challenges for each project and, you know, kind of what they're looking for. But just in general, did did you come into it knowing that they were going to want to see a wide variety of skill sets or is that just presumed? What kind of well info did you get on that going into it? Sure. 
I, um, you know, we did not know going into it what all of the strengths and specializations of the other makers were, right. and so that was okay. always a, that was a fun surprise that was revealed to us as we began to work okay. together in the barn. Um, I really do consider myself kind of a generalist because I get to mm-hmm. work in so many different mediums and developing, you know, the crafting tutorials and the workshops. So that was really, you know, kind of um, what I took with me to the competition was um, uh, an intent to try as many different materials as I could and work in as many different sort of styles that kind of, you know, they all they all harken back to my own aesthetic. But, um, you know, I feel fortunate in that way that I've gotten to deal with so many different materials. Now, the fact that I, I worked with balsa wood in both episode one and episode mm-hmm. two really mm-hmm. was just coincidental. Um, okay. Uh, but they, you know, they obviously had fun uh, poking at that as far as sure. my addiction yeah. <laughs> is yeah. concerned. And I your problem you know, with both of Exactly. We all we all went into this eyes wide open, knowing it was a competition, knowing that we would yeah. be judged. And so, I think as long as you are are comfortable with who you are and what your aesthetic is, you um you take the constructive criticism and and you run with it. And if it's something you disagree with, you know, you know, you just take it with a grain of salt. And, um, you know, as you know, it's it's a friendly competition. And so I, I think, honestly, any day that I could get um, Simon and Dana to sit down and consider my work and give me constructive criticism mm-hmm. is a good day. So I'm really yes. grateful for that. That's yeah. awesome. Well, I like to um, ask a, a Nick or Amy question. So my question oh, is, sure. you have this this great newsletter, and I want people to subscribe because it's like it's like a little online magazine. I love it. Oh, um, thank you. You're welcome. If you were not available for that week's edition and you had to leave the newsletter in the hands of either Nick <laughs> or Amy, <laughs> who would you give the job to? Oh. <laughs> I know. It's, it's another impossible question. but Oh, it's, it's an impossible question. <laughs> because I think Amy would make it 100% hilarious, but I think that Nick would get all the steps right. So I'm a little okay. bit torn. <laughs> mm, yeah. Okay. So you think it's just going to have to be a draw on that one? I, I think it might be a draw. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyone listening, we'd love to have your opinion. So maybe we can have a tiebreaker. But um, where can folks find you? What are the best places to get more of Robert? Sure. My home base online is my website, robert-mahar.com. My last name is M-A-H-A-R. You can find um, a full archive of all of my video tutorials, information about all of my upcoming classes, and Mm -hmm. um, there's also a a sign-up form for uh, my newsletter that you kindly mentioned. Okay. Great. Well, my mom and I have been talking about the show together each week, and I, 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 there's just so many different aspects of the show and the work to enjoy. But something that she and I share together is a love of nostalgia. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you brought up that word in the interview because I kept thinking, is it tradition? It's, you know, what is, what is that, that aspect that <laughs> continues to right. go through your work? And, and some mm-hmm. people appreciate it and some don't, and that's fine. But my mom and I got something that we share, and I can tell, I'm you know, so when we're talking about your that. work. So so thank you for uh, incorporating that nostalgia. It's been a lot of fun for us um, as, as mothers and daughters to talk about. Well, we really appreciate awesome. your time. 
Thank you so much. Uh, it's been my pleasure. It's so nice to talk to you. I've enjoyed listening to you speaking with all of my other fellow makers and um, looking yeah. forward to the future episodes as well. So thank you, Tracy. All right. Thank you. We're rooting for you. And, um, folks, we will be back next time. Thank you, Robert. Bye-bye. Thank you.